You can uh, see on the wall what we believe here at TFRC. The gospel is real, and the gospel changes everything. Uh, The message of the gospel, if I were to just say it in two sentences, is Jesus died for our sins, Jesus rose from the dead. That is the gospel. Now, the gospel literally means good news. Jesus died for our sins, that's good news. Jesus rose from the dead, that's good news. And the gospel is real. Jesus actually died for our sins. Jesus actually rose from the dead. He is risen. The gospel changes everything. It infuses us with hope. It redefines our past. It encourages us in the present. And it transforms our futures. The gospel is a story of restoration. Dying for our sins is a story of restoration. The resurrection is a story of restoration. Resurrection is literally life being restored. Coming back from the dead, it's a fantastic story. It's so fantastic, it's hard for most to believe. As amazing as coming back from the dead is, the implications of the resurrection are more than restoring life. As amazing as that is, the gospel changes everything. Now, to restore something, the definition to restore is to bring something back. To bring something back into existence, or to bring something back to its original state, or to bring something back to its original owner, to restore. Uh, Today, uh, happens to be something something we call here at TFRC is Missions Challenge Sunday. And today happens to be Missions Challenge Sunday, where we receive an offering for one of our missions. And there happen to be boxes in the back um, for your offering, and today's Missions Challenge offering is for something called Summer Serve. We started Summer Serve three years ago. And uh, simply what we do is we'll go into a local neighborhood. There'll be about 150 to 200 of us. Uh, Our director of missions, Christy Pickett, and her team uh, organize and lead all of that. And over the last three years, we've gone into a neighborhood in Twin Falls. We've gone into a neighborhood in Jerome. We've gone into a neighborhood in Filer. And we just help homeowners restore something on their property. Uh, Maybe we replace a roof, or uh, we paint a home, or fix a sidewalk, or um, help landscape yards. Whatever is helpful in restoring their property. And we have some before and after pictures of some of the homes. And these are great pictures of restoration. Um, The first one here you see on the left that the house needs a new walkway and could be repainted. And you see on the right how those two things have been restored. Uh, This next picture is a home whose yard um, basically is dirt and it's been restored to grass and a fence. And then this last picture here is um, you got a picket fence that needs to be redone, a garage that needs some help, and then you got some overgrowth trees and that kind of stuff. And then, uh, so after that, we worked on that. That is that restored. Now, I show you these pictures because this is what Jesus does to us. The resurrection is about restoration. 
The resurrection brings things back to existence. Jesus will raise us from the dead. The resurrection brings things back to their original state. Jesus transforms us back to what we were meant to be in the first place. And the resurrection brings things back to their original owner, where Jesus brings us back into relationship with our creator. The scripture for this morning is John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, or you can look this up on your phones, John 21. That's fine too. John is the fourth book in the New Testament. Now, this passage is a post-resurrection conversation Jesus has with Peter. Jesus has risen from the dead, and the disciples are back in Galilee. And Peter and some of the disciples go fishing in the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus shows up, and he's standing on the shore. And the disciples don't realize that it's him, they ha and, and they haven't caught anything. And Jesus tells them to cast their nets on the right side of the boat, and they catch a huge haul of fish. Now, Jesus has done this kind of thing before with the disciples. And so after that, they recognize that it's Jesus on the shore. And Peter jumps into the water and heads for the shore. And when he gets there, there is a coal fire going with fish already on it. And they eat. And then this conversation happens. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You may be seated. Peter was one of Jesus' first disciples. Jesus called Peter to follow him and become a fisher of men. Peter saw Jesus do things like feed the 5,000, cast out demons. He saw Jesus give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, speech to the mute, and made the lame walk. Peter was a part of Jesus's inner circle. When Jesus went to raise a little girl from the dead, he only took three of his disciples with him, and Peter was one of them. When Jesus went to the top of a mountain to be transfigured and visited by Elijah and Moses, he only took three of his disciples with him, and Peter was one of them. When the disciples were in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and a storm came upon them in the night, and Jesus came walking on water, and they thought he was a ghost, and Jesus says, no, it is I. Peter was the only one who got out of the boat and walked on water with Jesus. And when Jesus asked the disciples who they thought Jesus was, it was Peter who replied, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. In fact, Peter wasn't even Peter's original name. His name was Simon. Peter means rock, which was the name Jesus gave him. 
Jesus gave him a new name. You are the rock. And Peter the rock promised Jesus the night that he was arrested, even if all fall away, I will not. And when they arrested Jesus, it was Peter who cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And then when Jesus is arrested, Peter follows Jesus to the house of the high priest. And there in the courtyard, he was as close to Jesus as he could get. In fact, he was within eyesight of Jesus. And a moment of truth was coming for Peter. It was one of those do or die moments. A chance for Peter to rise to the occasion, to fulfill his calling, to live up to his name, the rock. And in the courtyard of the high priest, while Jesus was awaiting a trial, Peter is warming himself by a fire. And there are others around him. And a servant girl says, this man was with him. And Peter denies, woman, I don't know him. And then someone else says, you are one of them. And Peter denies, I am not. And an hour goes by and someone else says, you were with him, you're a Galilean. And Peter denies, I don't know what you're talking about. And before he even finishes his last denial, the rooster crows. And Jesus had told Peter earlier, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter denies him three times, Jesus, just as Jesus said. And after the rooster crows, Jesus turns his face and looks right at Peter. And Peter goes outside the courtyard and weeps bitterly. It is the greatest failure of faith in all of history. Peter, Jesus' closest disciple and friend, in the moment of truth, denies he ever even knew him. So now Jesus has been crucified, died, and has risen from the dead. And now Peter and Jesus are sitting on the shore of Galilee. And once again, there's a fire. And this is the first conversation that we see between Peter and Jesus since Peter's denials. The last time Peter was this close to Jesus, he denied ever knowing him. And now Jesus shows up and Peter jumps out of a boat to go see him. And the resurrected Jesus takes the initiative to make things right. And he asks Peter three times, do you love me? Now, if I were Jesus, I would have had different questions for Peter, all right? I would have asked things like, what in the world happened to you? Or can you promise that you will never do something like that again? Or what will you do to earn your trust back? Jesus simply asks, do you love me? Peter denied Jesus three times, so Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? It's why Peter was hurt when Jesus asked him the third time. It was a painful reminder of his failure. But Jesus wasn't rubbing it in to Peter. The resurrected Jesus was restoring Peter. Not with a pledge or a vow. He cuts right to the heart of the matter. Do you love me? The resurrected Jesus was restoring Peter. That's what the resurrected Jesus does. He restores. And he begins with Peter's identity. You see, Jesus, Jesus is the one who changed his name to Peter. The rock. 
But how does Jesus address him in John 21? If you still have access to the passage, take a look. Look at verse 15. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 17. What does he call him? He doesn't call him Peter. doesn't call him the rock. He says, Simon, son of John. He reverts back to Peter's original name. Three times he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You see, when he denied Jesus three times, the rock wasn't the rock. He was more like the sand, easily swept away. He forgot who he was. He lost his identity. And the resurrected Jesus wants to give it back to him. So Jesus starts with where Peter is at. Simon, son of John. And three times, Simon, son of John, replies, you know that I love you. And that's really all Jesus needs to hear. And how do we know that Peter's identity was restored? Well, we know that because that's what Peter was called from that point on. For the rest of Peter's life and for all of human history, he is known as Peter. Most of us don't even know he had a different name. We don't know that his original name was Simon. We know him as the rock, as Peter. And when it comes to our identities, we tend to look the wrong way to find them. We look back to see who we are. I am a Swoboda because in the past I was born into the Swoboda family. I am a Packer fan because in the past I was born and raised in Wisconsin, sort of a state law. If you're born and raised there, you gotta be a Packer fan. I'm a pastor because that is what I've been trained to do and for the last 20 years, it's what I have been doing. It's all in the past. We tend to look to the past to see who we are. We look back to discover our identities. Well, that's not how Jesus does it. Jesus doesn't look to the past to see who we are. Jesus looks to the future. Why did Jesus have a conversation with Peter at all? Peter blew it. He didn't deserve another chance. Jesus saw what Peter was going to become. What Jesus had called him to be in the first place. The rock, a fisher of men. When you were a kid or a teenager in school, or maybe you are a kid or a teenager in school, if you ever had an adult who saw your potential, who saw what you could become, whether it was a teacher or a coach or a parent or a friend or some other relative, they could see what you could not see. And they invested in you, not because of your past. They invested in you because of your future. People who uh, don't come to church very often will sometimes say to me, well, you know, if I come to church, lightning might strike me down. Well, okay, first of all, if God wanted to strike you with lightning, you don't need to come to church for him to do it. He can, his aim's pretty good. He can hit you on the golf course, on the lake, wherever you might be, uh, he can hit you, all right? He doesn't really have a limit in his range. But secondly, basically, what people are saying to me when they say that 
is that, man, my past is really bad. I haven't been in church in a while. I've done a lot of ungodly things. I basically don't belong here. Because we look at our past to determine our identity. That's not how God determines your identity. 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Jesus is in the restoration business. He knew you when he created you. He has a good idea of who you are, and he has a good idea of who you can become. Jesus believes in you. He is just waiting for you to believe in him. Or, as he asked Simon, son of John, do you love me? Our restored identities, our restored identities, they unite us. It is tempting to use our identities to divide us. This happens all the time. Racial identity, class identity, gender identity. It is tempting to use them to divide us. But Christ comes to give us a unifying identity. It's interesting, 2,000 years ago, that Paul, in the book of Galatians, addresses the three identities that tend to separate us the most today. Galatians 3, where it is written, So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In a world where there are few things to unite us, for those who put faith in Jesus, we are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, we are children of God through faith. There is no greater identity. All other identities are secondary to our Christian one. The resurrected Jesus restores us to our true identity. And... The resurrection restores purpose. When Jesus showed up on the shore, the disciples were fishing. And it was Peter's idea to go fishing. You see, fishing on the Sea of Galilee was what Peter did before Jesus called him. And Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Three times. And Peter responds three times, you know that I love you. And how does Jesus respond to that? Again, if you still have the passage open, look at verses 15, 16, 17. Look what Jesus says. He says, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. He is telling Peter, you get back to what I called you to do. Are you a fisherman or a fisher of men? Now, I don't know what all of you do for a living. Some of you are teachers or farmers or lawyers or truck drivers or doctor or nurse or a waiter or waitress, or maybe you're in real estate or you're a mechanic or you do retail work. I don't know what all of you do. But if you think for a minute that the main reason for you to be doing what you are doing is to earn a paycheck, we need to open our eyes. If you're a stay-at-home parent, and if you think the main reason 
for that is to maintain a household, we need to open our eyes. The great reformer, Martin Luther, observed that a call from God into a vocation is not something just for pastors. Jesus calls people into every vocation, into every profession. Jesus cares about the hungry, so he called you to be a farmer. Or Jesus cares about the sick, so he called you to be a doctor or a nurse. Or Jesus cares about children, so he called you to be a parent. Or he called you to be a teacher. What you do, and the fact that you are doing it in this time and in this place, is a calling from the resurrected Jesus. Jesus has called you to be a blessing in order to accomplish his purpose. As it says in Ephesians, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. A couple of years ago, I was in a big box hardware store and I won't say which one it was or where it was or any of that kind of stuff, but I basically needed to make copies of some keys that I had. And you know, you walk in and I'm walk, wandering aimlessly in the store trying to figure out where I should go to make, get a key made. And an employee came out of nowhere and said, can I help you? And I explained to her what I needed. And so she walked me to the place where they made keys, introduced me to the person that could help me with that. And in less than 10 minutes, I was walking out of that store with my keys. That employee was a blessing to me and she was simply a floor person at a hardware store. Now, how big of a deal was that? I don't know, but it was seven years ago and I still remember it. So it had to be a pretty big deal. The resurrected Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. It was a calling Peter was walking away from. And Jesus said, don't you dare try to walk away from what I am calling you to do. The resurrected Jesus has you where you are for a reason, doing what you are doing for a reason, encountering the people you are encountering for a reason. And that reason isn't a paycheck. We need to open our eyes. The resurrected Jesus has you where you are, doing what you're doing, encountering the people you've encountered for a reason. But what happens? What happens when we fail? What happens when we miss our chance? What happens when we have had our eyes closed and we haven't been paying any attention? Well, those are great questions to ask Peter. And Peter will tell you, Jesus didn't rise from the dead so that I would quit. Jesus didn't rise from the dead so that you could never even try or just give up. Because Jesus rose from the dead, it is not too late. You are not too far off. Get going in what Jesus has called you to do. The resurrected Jesus is restoring us to our call. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then, when all is said and done, and our lives come to an end, however far or near that time may be, 
The resurrection restores hope, even in the face of death. For those of us whose faith is in Christ Jesus, our identity is in him, our purpose is in him, and death will not get the final say over us. The resurrection will have the final say over us. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, he took the sting of death with him. And never again does death rule over us because we will be raised to new life and we will see the day when there is no more death and there is no more mourning or crying or pain. The resurrection will have the final say over us. The gospel changes everything and the gospel is real. Please pray with me. Lord, as we again revisit the empty tomb, reminded that the resurrected Jesus has come to restore us, give us the courage and faith to follow our risen Lord. We are amazed that after 2,000 years, how the resurrected Jesus continues to change lives and change the world. Lord, for those of us who have never believed, help our unbelief. And for those of us who have failed in our faith, give us your spirit of perseverance. Give us the passion to live differently because of our faith in you. And in everything we say and in everything we do, may you be glorified so that others may see your, may see your work in our lives and be amazed by your grace love and mercy, just as we are. Lord, we declare in this moment that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, all for the glory of God the Father. And it's in the name of our risen Savior and Lord we pray. Amen. Receive God's blessing. May the grace of our risen Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.